Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I actually... With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight, and we are back. It's Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions, Season 14. And I couldn't do this podcast and videocast without the one and only Amanda Howard, the serial killer whisperer, true crime author, and criminologist. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. I have to say, it's always interesting before we start recording the amount of uh, accents that you actually go through whilst you practice. (laughs) So we've had an Irish, a Scottish and an old person just in the last 10 minutes. (laughs) I try to get them out of my system so I don't annoy the listeners with them. It's like the number one request that we get is um, please let Robert do more accents. Well, well, there you go. Some people hate them, some people love them. We'll see what happens in this episode. (laughs) We've been off from the free podcast for a while, Amanda. We've just finished our season of John Bonet Ramsey, which was at patreon.com slash mwmconfessions or... You could watch the video by going to mwm.uscreen.io. That was really, really interesting to go through that case. I've got to say I learned a lot about it. It's been one of those high-profile cases, but I didn't know the intricacies of it. Yeah, there was a lot to go through, and even so, I think that we could have made that three times as long with the um, with the other bits and pieces that we could have added in. But we sort of kept it really deep and close to uh, the the crime scene investigation, rather than going through all, the, all those flights of fancy that um, lots of others actually look into. So it, it was exhausting. I have to say, that was an exhausting uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. But I really, really liked it. And you can get that for the $10 tier and above on Patreon. And Amanda, before we move on to today's case, you uh, actually have some events coming up. Yes, I do. So uh, next weekend, um, the last weekend in July, I will be at the Coolangatta Winery, which is down the south coast in New South Wales, uh, at True Crime in the Vine. So um, check that out. There are links on the Facebook page. And also on the 12th and 13th of August, I am taking my museum down to Geelong Jail for uh, the Friday night and Saturday. So you can come and have your photos taken with serial killers, come and talk to me about anything true crime related, and hopefully not get your foot stuck in the rabbit trap that I just set beside me on this desk. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Uh, If Amanda starts losing blood, we'll know what's happened. All right, let's get into today's uh, episode because in 1808, Scottish author Sir Walter Scott said, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. And that quote could be no more apt than with today's episode. Today we are examining the murder by Alex Cox and his own subsequent murder. This episode is just one thread of a much larger web that we will attempt to untangle as more details come to pass over the coming seasons. Though Alex Cox's name may not be familiar to many, I'm sure others will know the names of Laurie Bellow Daybell and her current husband, Chad Daybell, a couple who currently stand accused 
of the murders of 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, who was last seen in Yellowstone National Park on September 8, 2019. She was the product of the marriage between Laurie and her third husband, Joseph Ryan. Her brother Joshua, JJ Vallo, an adopted son at age seven, disappeared a few weeks later in September 2019 after he waved goodbye to his class teacher and school friends at Kennedy Elementary School in Rexburg, Idaho for the very last time. It would be two months before an investigation into the children's sudden disappearances kicked into gear. And when it did, oh boy, did it open a can of worms. To begin with, Laurie told police that JJ was staying with a close family friend, Melanie Gibb, but when she was questioned, she told police that she had not seen the young boy for weeks and happened to mention that Laurie had spoken to her and begged her to lie to police, saying that JJ was with her. The first red flag was finally raised and though by June 2020, the shocking details behind the children's murders were revealed, there was still a lot more to the story. And so digging further into the background of Laurie Vallow and Chad Daybell, police began to uncover an extremely complicated web of murder, dead spouses, suspicious deaths, and the two missing children. The names of the couple would become international news. And as the body count rose, people began to wonder what was the motive behind it all. So we begin this week with a piece of the puzzle that is related to Vallow's brother, Alex Cox. Let's turn the clock back only a few months to July 2019. Alex Cox called 9-11 early on the morning of July 11 to report the death of Laurie's fourth husband, Charles Vallow. Charles Vallow, whose real name was Leyland Anthony Vallow, married Laurie in February 2006 in Las Vegas, and soon after, Charles converted from Catholic to the Latter-day Saints. Now, that was at his new wife's behest, and added to the two sons Laurie already had, the couple soon adopted Charles's grandnephew JJ as their own son when he was only one year old, and the family moved to Hawaii before returning to Arizona in 2016. Shortly after Laurie discovered the teachings of Chad Daybell, and soon things began to shift, and soon Laurie began a relationship with Chad that told the death knoll on her marriage to Charles. And that brings us to the 911 call Alex Cox made on July 11, 2019. Now, Cox claimed it was self-defence. However, there is a lot more to this story than face value. So let's take a listen to that call. 911, where is your emergency? It's at uh, 5531 South Four Peaks. I think it's Four Peaks Lane, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, okay, you don't know the direction? I don't know the the street name, if it's a lane or court. It's 5531 East, though? Uh, yeah, or South? South. South Four Peaks. 5531 South Four Peaks in Chandler, is that right? Yes. You need police yes. or paramedics? Uh, both. I mean, police and an ambulance. What's the emergency there? Uh, there was a, I got in a fight with my brother-in-law and I shot him in self-defense. Okay, let me get the medics on the phone. And is he hurt or is he alive or? Yeah, there's blood. He's, he's not moving. Wow, it doesn't exactly sound like an emergency call, Amanda. He could have been calling for a pizza. How nonchalant can you be? 
I know. Like he is just sort of um, talking as if he's just saying, "Hi, how are you going? Can I order a pepperoni pizza?" Um, you know, and the fact that the operator has to ask about the victim's current um, state is like, mm. you know, is he alive or you know, like you've already said that you shot him in self-defense. So what? He's lying on on the floor crying with a hurt ankle, or you know, yeah, that did you shoot face? him in the foot? <laughs> Um, that was the thing that really stood out to me was like the dispatch operator is just like, this is another call. The way this guy sounding is not like getting on the phone and saying, I've just shot my brother-in-law. You know, like it's not high. It's not anxious. It's like, uh, need, need some emergency service. It's crazy. It's just weird. It is very weird. And, you know, he's more concerned, I don't know if it's a place or a court or, you know, he's more worried about getting the address right than he is about the mm. state of his his sister's husband. Yeah. Well, the dispatch then gets fire and rescue on the line who asks for a little bit more information, as you can imagine. How long ago did this happen? Uh, a couple of minutes. Fire department, what is the address of the emergency? 5531 South Four Peaks. And is that a house in Chandler? Yes. And your phone number, please? 480 351 9120. And just repeat the address to confirm it. 5531 South Four Peaks. And what is the emergency? Uh, I, I shot my brother-in-law. Okay, what part of his body is injured? Uh, in the chest. I'm sorry, where? In the chest. Okay, is he awake and responsive or unconscious? Unconscious. Okay, is he breathing? I can't tell. Okay, are you wanting? Are you willing to go over to him and check? Sure. Yeah, sure, mate. No worries. I'll go and check him out. What, whatever, you know, blood's everywhere. I've shot him in the chest. No worries. Uh, Amanda, let me get this straight. This man, Alex Cox, the brother of Laurie Vallow, has just killed his brother-in-law, Charles Vallow. So he's killed a family member. He seems very, very calm. Uh, it's it's almost to the point. I think the word I would use is chilling. He is so calm. He's 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 cold. You know, and this mm. has happened a few moments ago, apparently. So you know, he says that he got in a fight with him and he shot him. Um, you know, but there's no no possibility of him being breathless from you know having this struggle or panicking because he did just kill a family member. You know. Is he sure he's dead? Is he, you know, it's it, it's just so worried. Yeah, I'll go and have a look at him. Yeah, sure. It's just, it's there's so many alarm bells. I know that a lot of people like to be calm in these, in these phone calls, and we hear a lot of hysterical ones where we can't understand what people are saying, but there is an in-between, in and this is way down the other end of, of the spectrum to those panicked 911 calls we do. If I was to give him the benefit of the doubt, could he be almost having an out-of-body experience where this traumatic thing has happened and he hasn't yet processed it? Could I mean, could that be part of what's going on here? <laughs> Not just well. Right. Um, Stupid question. Be, Sorry. It could be trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you're starting to profile what, what, what could be going on there. Um, obviously, I know 2020 hindsight, so I know exactly what's going to happen. But it, it is interesting uh, that that's where you went, that maybe he has gone into auto shutdown uh, so he can sort of get through this so then he can break down later. Um, entirely possible. But we'll see. Yeah, well, 
if you're a killer trying to get away with murder, it's not exactly the smart way of going about it, being so blasé no. on the 911 call. And it continues in that manner with Cox really just chilling in this whole scenario. Just let me know if you see his chest going up and down. How old is he? It's not moving. He's 60. Okay. And are you wanting to start CPR? No, I don't know how to do that. I can walk you through it. Okay. So what I want you to do is you're going to put one hand in the center of his chest. Yeah. The other hand's going to go right on top of it. Okay. You're going to interlock your fingers, keeping your arms straight, and you're going to press down hard and fast into his chest. You're going to go okay. two inches down and fairly quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Making sure his chest goes up between each compression. Where's the okay. gun now? Uh, it's in the other room. Okay. PD, we're going to stage for you. Okay, thank you. And just keep going with those compressions. PD, did you have any other questions? Yes. What's your name, sir? My name is Alex. Last name is Cox, C-O-X. And where are you in the house now? Uh, in the living room. And where is the gun? Uh, it's in a bedroom. Who else is there in the house with you? Uh, just me. What gun is it? Was it a... It's, it's my gun. It's a forty-five. A pistol? Forty-five caliber pistol? Yeah. Yeah. What's his name, your brother-in-law? Charles Vallow. His last name, I'm sorry? V-A-L-L-O. Vallow. V like Victor or G like George? V like Victor. There's two things going on for my mind here, Amanda. Those chest compressions are very loud. It doesn't sound like he's actually doing them on the body to me. But also, he actually then just stops doing it. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine trying to talk on a, on a call like that with it up against your ear where you have two hands uh, clasped on someone's chest trying to pump it? Um, it's, it's very interesting. So especially when this guy is like blood, bloody and bleeding on on the carpet, you know, but he's more interested about talking about his gun than he is about mm. the person in front of him. There's no grunting going on. You know, there's all of this sort of theatrics that we can hear with these sounds, but it doesn't sound like what should be happening, you know, and if you just shot someone, would you then go and place your gun in the bedroom on, on the bed and then come back and then ring 911? I mean, no. it's there's just a couple of red flags there. Yeah. And I've just grabbed this bottle because, honestly, it's almost like he's gone and gone, you know, trying to, like, not, obviously not that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it seems like he's grabbed something to be able to, 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 to make those noises. Um, and as I said, then he does it for 20 compressions or whatever it was. And it's like, I'm done. Um yeah. Look, dispatch leaves the call and the medic continues, but not before asking about the chest compressions we just talked about, with Cox giving a very unconvincing response. Well, police and medics are on the way to help you. Um, Thank you. Are you still doing what, chest compressions with him? Yes. 
Okay, just keep pushing down hard and fast in the center of his chest. How long ago did this occur? Did it just happen? Yeah, maybe five minutes before I called. Okay. Just make sure you're still pressing down at least two inches into his chest and it comes up with each compression. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, were you guys arguing when this happened? Yeah. Okay. And you said there's nobody else there, just you and him, correct? Correct. Okay. Can you just let us know when it's secure? Certainly. We'll do that. Thank you. And was he armed also, or just you, or what happened there? Yeah, he, he came at me with a bat. Anyone been drinking or doing drugs or anything today, or no? I, I don't know, but I've never seen him that enraged before. It's interesting. I like how they still ask questions in, in between compressions, but there's something important in there, isn't there, Amanda? There is. Um, we have Cox there setting up the story. So he's starting to talk about how this started to occur, and he's realising that he needs to add more and more to the story. Now, he said it was just the two of them there. That is going to be important. He says that Charles come at him with a bat um, and that he had to protect himself. So if he come at you with a bat, you know, but you had a gun, you know, so there's a bit of logistics there that he's going to have to get in, into further. But I have seen CPR performed probably every day of the last 10 years. There's very few, few days I don't see CPR being done. And it is bloody hard work it is exhausting and the fact that he's been going at this for quite some time now he should be well puffed out but also seeing that he shot him in the chest there should be blood that he should be going mm. hang on a sec there's blood here you know like i'm pushing and it's not squelching and every, everything as you said it sounds more like that he's it would be disgusting doing something else. yeah yeah but there's nothing he's just going yeah yeah i'm doing this i'm doing this i reckon he was just probably punching a cushion or something. You know, I really don't believe that he was actually in there, you know, elbows deep in, in blood. It just doesn't make sense. But, mm. you know, it's, it's just something that sort of adds to this story. You know, he had a bat, I had a gun. Um, no one brings a bat to a gunfight, but we will get to that. Mm. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Well, the call ends with the police arriving and Cox being placed in handcuffs and we hear him begin to tell the officers on the scene his side of the story. 
Did he live there with you, or where does he live? No, he lives in Houston. You got married to your sister. Is she where is she? Correct. Uh, it, no, I think she's uh, taking her son to school. Okay. Questions? You still doing that? Do you see anything? Any response from him? Uh, you know? He's not responding at all. Some officers should be there. Let me know when they get inside. To you, is the front door open? Yeah. It's unlocked. Okay. Can you come out, walk outside with your hand empty? Sure. Are you able to do that with your hands sure. up and empty? Yeah. Yeah. Your front door, right? Yeah. No weapons on me. Yep. 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 I want to in the house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's sticking to his story about the the baseball bat, isn't he? He is, and um, you know, it's it's definitely not the full story, um, you know. But there's a lot more to come when they actually get him into the interrogation room. Uh, yeah, and look, right now is going to be quite interesting because now we pick up from the exact moment that nine one one call ends, and we have the video from the police body cam. Uh, footage. This is a great one for those watching on the video feed. And I don't want to make a big deal of this, but I know we've got new listeners. So I'll just say, if you want to see the video feed, go to mwm.uscreen.io. And for Patreon users, uh, there's some tiers where you can get the audio a week ahead of everyone else. And those on the $25 tier, which includes some extra bonuses like group video chats and the like, will get to see the video of what we're talking about and see him arrested and then the police interview. But th right now, this is the moment, as I said, the 911 calls, police have arrived at the home where the murder occurred, and this is them starting to interrogate Cox. Yeah. Have a seat. Yeah. 18, seat secure. We got the gentleman out. Uh, you have some ID on you, sir? Yeah. What happened today? How did it get to this? I don't know. He was enraged. Well, what's going on? What happened? Oh, he was talking with my sister earlier. No, what happened today, though? Like, just in the last 20 just, minutes? He came to, He came at me with a bat. Okay. Was he, he living here or no. visiting? He came to pick up his son. Okay, is the son inside? No. My sister took him to school. Okay, so it was just you at the house? Yes. And he came, how long, what time did he come to pick up pick up the son? Uh, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, maybe. Okay, so you know who he is, let him in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
No, I think they were talking earlier that she left, and then he got into it with me. Like what? What do you mean? I don't know. He was he was accusing me. Of... Come on over here. That truck's going to be really loud. Now, there's a lot going on there, and for our listeners, I'll explain. Cox is being interviewed sitting in the gutter of the home. We can hear the police announce themselves as they enter in the background, and then, of course, the fire and rescue truck decides to be there too. Amanda, I have a couple of observations myself. I notice his hands are clean. It does not look like he's been doing CPR on a bloody body. And his T-shirt is clean. So even if he had washed that blood off, it's not on his shirt. Well, there's no way he had time to wash the blood off because the end of that 911 call, he was still doing chest compressions and we heard the police ask for him to come outside. So there is literally yeah. no time passed and he doesn't have a drop of blood on him. Very good observations there, Robert. That is something yes. that I had missed, but I had, I had said that there should have been a lot of blood, but obviously there isn't. And even if he shot him in the chest, there would have been even just a little bit of blowback spatter and there's none. Yeah. So, okay, where is your focus in this, in what's being said? Well, I know there's a lot going on, but he's answering with with almost uh, blank spaces. So, you know, he's saying, oh, what happened today? He goes, oh, you know, he was going at it with with, with my sister, uh, you know, and then I grabbed the gun because he come at me with a bat. But it's not, it's not conversational. He's not actually going into detail like we would expect him to do. He was like, yeah, he called her this and then so I called him that and I told him to get out and I told him to do this. You know, there's all of that part of the story that he's not actually going into. He's not explaining how you get to a point of of gunfire. And it's not sounding like, oh, my God, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. I have no idea what's just happened. No. I blanked out. This is just – there's so many gaps that he doesn't know how to fill them. Mm. So the officer and Cox move from the front of the house for the truck to pull up, but it does little to sway the officer's attention. Come on over here. That truck's going to be really loud. What was he accusing you of? Uh, okay, that was a lot of nothing in there, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it was a lot of a lot. You know, okay. this is our first gotcha moment that we have. That officer asked three times, what was he accusing you of? And it took uh, Cox 18 seconds to say, I don't know. He just shot this man over something so horrific that he decided it was better to shoot him for what he just said. And now he doesn't even know what those words were. Mm, very interesting, Amanda. Well, let's see if he can come up with a better response if the officer asks for a third time. He was just yelling at me. Okay. What was he yelling at you about? Tell my sister because I've broken up a tussle with them earlier. He told me not to interfere anymore with them or I'd pay. And he came with me with a bat. Okay, so he showed up in the house with a bat in his hand? No. Okay, so. There was a scuffle earlier. Yeah, my sister and my niece. My niece got involved. About earlier meeting, earlier this week, earlier no, 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 this morning. Just this morning, before they left. Before your your wife left. My sister. Before your sister left. Yeah. Okay. Who lives here with you? Nobody. I don't live here. My sister lives here, and my niece lives here. And you're yeah. just visiting. I was visiting for the night. 
Okay, so you're over here visiting your sister and yes. your niece. Yes. Okay, and there was a tussle between your sister and her husband. Yes. And does the husband live here or no? No. Okay. Okay, is he an ex-husband or just current husband? Uh, they're working on that. Gotcha. So at some point earlier today, they get into a some type of domestic? Yeah, just this morning, then they left, and then he came to me. If they left meaning who? Both my, of parties? My, yeah, my sister took my niece and my nephew. Okay, so they left. Created some space from him, and then he came to me. Okay, but did he leave also? No. <laughs> A tangled web is already in a knot, I'd say, but just to clarify what the family dynamics are here. Cox was at Laurie's home. She lived there with Tylee and JJ, and according to Alex, she was apparently estranged from Charles. Cox claimed he was there to defend his sister against him, claiming he had been violent. However, Laurie left with JJ and Tylee, and Cox remained, and the two men got into it. Amanda, he doesn't seem to sound all the convincing, and like our coverage of the Watts case... He, too, is a man of few words. He is, and he was like that on that phone call, too. He's just got his, sort of giving bare facts because he doesn't want to get this story wrong. But, you know, the fact that he says, oh, yeah, they left earlier and so it was just him and I there, um, you know, and I was just being the hero and everything, and he accused me of all this stuff that I can't actually articulate. You know, it's just more like, hmm, yeah, he come at me, I come at him with something worse. You know, it's it's just not gelling together for where this is supposed to be. He's just shot someone dead. And mm. this is supposed to be a traumatic moment and there's no trauma. This is, you know, like the Watts case, um, you know, you can try and fake being terrified and sad, but as you can see, he just sort of plays it calmly. Yeah, uh, I've got to say his responses certainly aren't helping the situation indeed. If uh, the officer is trying to help Cox fill in the blanks, and this shows Cox how the officer is thinking as he tries to work if the family dynamics and he gives Cox a few scenarios, but then a fact about Cox's story becomes glaringly obvious. He stayed here. He stayed. So you guys are kind of talking in between or what? Who are you? Who are you? No, no, just go back. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So you were just so it's just you and and uh, your brother-in-law. Okay, and kind of go through it. So, Say something like, "Hey, don't touch my sister," or yeah, where, so, just, yeah. Okay. And then you picked up the bat. Where was the bat at? In the living room. Okay. You got it inside me? No, I haven't got it. is the husband of the occupants here. But I guess he lives in lives where? Houston. 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 Is this vehicle here? How did he get her? Uh, here from Texas? No, that's my sister's car. I think he came in a rental car and his sister's in the You think his sister's in the rental car? Okay. <laughs> And just a note, there was some silence in that clip. That is the way it's meant to be. Sometimes these clips are censored by the departments and the courts before releasing to the media. And so there was obviously something in that portion that they didn't want out there. So let's look at that. He doesn't live there, had a rental car, and his estranged wife took it. I'm sorry, but my BS meter is in overdrive here, Amanda. 
<laughs> it is. Why would so so he is threatening his his estranged wife um, and has a baseball bat and everything, but but the estranged wife takes the rental car that her husband had rented. Like it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't she have taken his own car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a whole lot of bullshit going on there. You know, if if she was so terrified of him, wouldn't she panic that when she come back that he would come at him, uh, come at her for taking his car? You know, like there's just so much wrong. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Cox is grasping at straws, and the officer tries to bring the scenario back to the actual killing. Let's have a listen to how this plays out. So you both, uh, so you get in an argument. What is it over? Well, it's over, my sister. He was, he was uh, getting physical with her, and so my niece came out with her bat, and then he took the bat away from her. Wait a minute, I thought you said your niece left. She did. This before. Okay, so now Tyler had the bat, he's saying, and Charles took it off her. Um, does he really think this is believable? I know, right? It's it's just so crazy because I had to write down this timeline because it kept shifting because um, yeah. he apparently come at Cox with the bat and that's why he shot him. But this was after the the um, when after Laurie and and JJ and Tylee had left. So how is it possible this argument's still going on and they're actually there and there's guns and bats being held, um, but then they weren't there at the same time? It just makes absolutely no sense and he's just trying to fill in some gaps to try and make things work. Some of this is going to be the truth, but it's the, it's the timeline and how this was done um, and, yeah, yeah there's a well, lot Well, more. the best <laughs> lies, aren't they? The best lies are those that expand, are expanded from the truth where – you're taking the elements of truth and trying to ex extrapolate that to justify your lie, I assume. Um, but, Amanda, the thing that gets to me here is that the holes in the story keep going. We haven't even got to the moment yet. Why don't we have a look at how the officers are trying to get to that moment? We've heard multiple times, why did you shoot him? I still haven't heard an answer yet. Let's have a listen. So before before your uh, your sister and your niece left, yeah. at some point uh, your sister and her husband are arguing. Yes, verbal argument. And then your niece pulls out a bat. Well, it wasn't verbal. He was getting close, and she came out to defend my sister with her bat. Your niece. Yes. Okay. And then she poked at him, and then he took it away. Okay. And then I I stepped in and told them they needed to separate. Right. So then my sister leaves with my niece. How long ago did they leave? In like an hour, 10 minutes? 20 minutes, I don't know. Okay. Okay. So Cox is the big hero stepping in. And that, to me, is a good lie. But we're still not getting too many details around this uh, specific area, are we? No, what we're seeing is the hero. He has stepped in. He told him to leave um, Laurie alone, leave JJ and, and, and Tylee alone, and they were to leave, and somehow that they took Charles's rental car, you know, and then that would sort of make it die down, you would think. You would think that then they would go, okay, he'd say, go, go and have a coffee or something, go and calm down before she gets back, you know, how dare you do this in front of the kids. But it's, it's an unusual way that the – problem of the argument is husband and wife she's left 
it should have died down from there. So it, it still makes yeah. no sense. And it's just he's trying to fit these pieces into a, into the narrative that he needs to tell. All right. So we've got a very weak um, a weak, weak part of the scenario and the officer is soon going to discover it really is weak. So not, not terribly long. No, no, no. Oh, okay. And then... Uh... And then he's he's coming back at me, and he's still got the bat in his hand. Like, what are you doing? So where are you at? Where are you You're both? In the living at? room. Okay. And then I turned around, and he hit me in the back of the head with the bat. So I went to my room and got my gun. That so I carry. you went to your room, meaning your room, your staying. Yeah. Okay, and you brought your a brought a gun with you. Yes. Do you always yes. bring a gun? I'm concealed carry always. Okay. Just to be safe. Hi, who are, are you? Okay, just stand over there for just a second, guys. And then, uh, I told him to put the bat down and he wouldn't, and he came at me again. And the wife just showed up as well. So you told her to put the... Yes. So where are you at? Where, where are you at now? Did you stay in your bedroom? No. Okay, why did you stay just in your bedroom close the door? Is that something you didn't think about? or? Okay, so walk me through it. So you go... Uh, that was interesting, Amanda, because Laurie Vello and Ty Lee arrived back there. When you heard the officer asking people to move away, that's Laurie and Ty Lee. I'm guessing he asked them to move away so they can't hear what he's saying, so they can't corroborate stories. Yeah, but also you have to remember he said that they left, so she's unaware that he has just killed her husband. She's just arrived with 400 police cars, a fire truck and EMTs there. Isn't she coming screaming, saying, oh, my God, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? No. She calmly walks up and says, you know, I live here. And he goes, yeah, go away. Like, <laughs> shouldn't she be asking what the hell happened? Why is her brother sitting in the gutter being talked to by police with all of these crime scene well, you'd people certainly around? you be saying what's going on, what's going on. I mean, it's not every day you've got a fire truck, a police officer, you, um, you know, Alex being interrogated yeah funny that <laughs> mm. well that is just like the big moment that you think hang on a sec mm. why is everyone so calm you know even tyler's not going like what's going on she has no idea what's happened either apparently according to cox's story so mm. um i i had to watch that multiple times obviously um on that um on that recording, we can see that their faces are blurred out. But she's just wandering around. She's got her arms clasped in front of her. She's got her keys in her hand, you know, but there's no, like, oh, my God, could someone tell me what's happened? Mm. None of that. Well, finally, the officer asked Cox about the actual killing. Okay, so walk me through it. So you go back in your room. So I, go, I just go back to the living room. Like, what's your problem? With the gun again. Yes. And I said, I want you to put that back down. You wouldn't do it. And he's like, you, and he came at me back again after he already hit me in the head, so I shot him to stop. Okay, then what happened? That was it. That... Okay. Okay, fair enough. She, he told him to stop. He didn't, so Cox shot him. That actually does seem fair to a certain extent, I guess. Yeah, it does, but can we play it back again just as last bits together, just to hear uh, that first part of that and this second part of him going to get the gun and him actually having the gun. Just let's listen to his tone of voice. Okay, let's do that. I 
I turned around and he hit me in the back of the head with a bat. So I went to my room and got my gun. So you went to your room, meaning the room you're staying in? Yeah. Okay, and you brought your a brought a gun with you? Yes. Do you always yes. bring a gun? I'm concealed carry always. Okay. Just to be safe. Hi, who are are you? Okay, just stand over there for just a second, guys. And then uh, I told him to put the bat down, and he wouldn't, and he came at me so again. The wife just showed up as well. So you told her to put the. Yes. So where are you at? Where Where are you at now? Did you stay in your bedroom? No. Okay. Why did you stay just in your bedroom? Close the door. Is that something you didn't think about, or? It didn't occur to me. Okay. So, walk me through it. So you go back into your room. So I just went back to the living room. Like, what's your problem? With the gun. Again. Yes. And I said, I want you to put that back down. You wouldn't do it. He's like, you, and he came at me back again after he already hit me in the head. So I shot him to stop. Okay, then what happened? Okay, there's something I noticed in there. At the end, he gets very high-pitched. There was a definite change in tone in his voice. Yeah, that's when all the lies come into it. So Mm. he's going, yeah, I went to my room, I got my gun, and then I went out, and then I told him, you know, put it down or I'll shoot you, and then I did it. It's like total, that's, his, his, his throat is being restricted and he's like panicking on, on saying these lies. And it just shows us he had been such almost deadpan and now suddenly we have this pitch change and we know that this is all a load of bullshit. Wow, he's got so many tells. Now, after going through personal details that are muted in the video, the officer returns to his line of questioning once more. Where's the weapon at now? Uh, it's in the bedroom. You, so after you shot him, you put it back in the room? or? Yeah, I went back to the bedroom to get my phone. Okay. And what'd you do with your phone? It's uh, right here. Okay. And then what'd you do once you put your gun back? Uh, Grabbed your phone? I cleaned my, uh, cleaned my head up. After you, was he laying there in the living yeah, room? Yeah, he was laying there still. It just took me a minute to compose myself. And I was just shaking. And then I called. Gotcha. Interestingly, I noticed his voice returned to normal, Amanda, when talking about going back to his bedroom and cleaning himself up. Yeah, because that, again, is probably what happened. So when he has the truth to tell, he's actually quite verbose and just goes through it, just says what happened. Yeah, I went and cleaned up the back of my head, um, you know, and I, I had to control myself and everything, you know, it took him only seconds to apparently compose himself because he was shaking. Yet we heard none of that panic, none of that adrenaline on that 911 call. It was very calm from the very first second. So um, the timeline in this is obviously completely fake. We know that he was likely dead a lot earlier than this, that um, there's a lot more to this story with Laurie getting involved with this, which is um, another part of this bigger puzzle. Um, Ty Lee, that, that's there. I don't know if you realise, Robert, that girl is killed soon after. So she's one of the victims as well. Um, I noticed the name, just, but that's good to yeah, remind us. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought, yeah. So so that was um, so that was Laurie and that was Ty Lee, her daughter. So, um, and JJ, she'd obviously dropped at school just then. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting how this sort of starts to sort of bubble together. And I think um, the way that Cox tells some of it, quite easily and then there's those other parts which was him being asked to say what exactly happened look how long it's taken him on this recording to get to that point saying I shot him because of this and how that is the only time that his pitch changed completely so um 
this is how we get to pick what's the truth and what's not the truth by how um, he his, his voice changes. And we'll see that again and again as we move forward through this episode. Well, this is the interesting part because we now leave the curbside and go to the police interrogation where the game, the real game of cat and mouse, begins. And you'll see that in the next edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. We are going deep diving in this one because where it goes, the twists and turns, it's all very interesting. Amanda says she's already nailed it. She's already nailed his tells. Will the police be able to pick up on them? Find out next week. Thank you, Amanda Howard, the serial killer whisperer. Thank you. I can't wait. This is going to be a lot of bits and pieces to this file, but there's so much still to come. And it's going to be worth it. See you next week. (laughs) Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 